Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I've had an Instagram account uh, for about three years now. And in those three years, I made one post. I'm a great follow on Instagram. This is uh, my one post. It was a heart-shaped potato uh, because I thought it looked cool, funny. I don't know. Uh, I'm not trying to make any theological point about the potato today other than this is my one post on Instagram. I don't have very many followers, but somehow 104 people still choose to follow me even though I'm doing absolutely nothing to have them actually want to follow after me. So, I mean, why would you follow someone, though, that's not doing anything worth following? Makes sense, right? Let me ask you, who do you follow? Whose words influence the way that you think about the world? Whose actions affect the way that you act. Because you are following people and they are influencing you. You might be following the folks on Fox and Friends in the morning or you might follow Morning Joe. Maybe you follow your favorite YouTuber or your favorite person on Instagram. Maybe it's your favorite podcast host or maybe you follow your grandma or your dad, or one of your friends. You are following. You are paying attention. You are listening, and you are acting the way that it has been modeled to you to act. So I ask you today, do you have anyone in your life whose purpose it is to clearly speak only the words of Jesus to you and to demonstrate to you how to act like Jesus acts. And on the flip side of that, who is following you? Maybe you say, nobody's following me. Oh yeah, they are. You have an impact in people's lives. People listen to you. They pay attention to you. For better or for worse, you are impacting the lives of the people around you. So, are you intentionally leading people to think like Jesus, to speak like Jesus, or are you leading them to something totally different? Today we are in chapter 9 of the story. This is the story of Ruth. Ruth is the name of one of the books of the Bible, one of two books of the Bible named after a woman. Pop quiz, what's the other one named after a woman? Anybody shout it out? All right. We get Esther in a couple of weeks, right? So Ruth and Esther are the two books of the Bible named after women. But for today, Ruth. So who is Ruth? Ruth is a non-Israelite. She is a foreigner who lives in the region of Moab. All right, Moab is on the east side of the Jordan River. On the west side of the Jordan River where it says Canaan on the map, that is the, the, the land that Joshua had led the people to conquest and to take over. 
in this region of Moab, this, this region was also given as an inheritance to some of the tribes of Israel. But the book of Ruth, this, these events take place during the time of the judges. So if you were with us last week when the judges are arising, there's no central leadership or kingdom, that's when these events are taking place. Here's what happens. There is a family who lives in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, on the west side of the Jordan. Maybe you've heard of Bethlehem before. And in Bethlehem, there is a family, a husband, a wife, and two sons, Elimelech, Naomi, Malon, and Chilion. And there is a famine in the land, and so they flee Bethlehem to head to Moab to hopefully find food. And once they get to Moab, Elimelech, the husband, dies. We don't know how, but he dies. This leaves Naomi, a widow, with two sons. Now, her sons are old enough that they can actually go and get married. And so she sends them off to go and get married, and they find wives in the region of Moab. But the wives that they find are Moabites, not Israelites. Now, if you've been paying attention at all uh, in this part of the story already, and much of what's to come, there is a, a problem when uh, God's people, the Israelites, oftentimes marry these foreigners because it's not just about the fact that they're foreigners, but coming with them are foreign gods. It was not explicitly stated in God's law, however, that Israelites cannot marry Moabites. That's not a law of God's. However, it was general practice that they shouldn't. Because oftentimes these men, when they marry foreign wives, they end up worshiping those foreign gods. Well, her sons marry Moabites and eventually the two sons die. So that leaves Naomi a widow with two daughters-in-law who are also widows. Being a widow in this culture at this time was actually quite dangerous. It left a widow uh, subject to be taken advantage of and perhaps lose everything. And so Naomi says to her two daughters-in-law, who are young enough that they could return back home to their families of origin, go get married again, have children, and live happily ever after. So she says to them, go back home to your Moabite families. I'm going to return back to my home to whatever's left of it. One of the daughters-in-law returns home, but the other, named Ruth, speaks these famous words, which I'll read for you again. Do not urge me, Naomi, to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. So Ruth follows Ruth gives her life. Ruth gives her faith to Naomi and Naomi's God and Naomi's purposes. And that sets the stage for the rest of the story. Ruth follows. Many of you know this, but some of you do not. I follow someone. I follow. I have a discipleship 
coach. His name's David Kim. He's a, he's a Lutheran pastor. I follow him. Why? Is he perfect? <laughs> no. Is he Jesus? No. English isn't even his first language or his second language. It's his third language. Why would I follow this guy? Well, does he help me to hear and learn the words of Jesus? Yeah. Does he speak repeatedly into my life the grace and love of Jesus Christ? Yes. And does he emulate and demonstrate and live a life of faith in the Christian calling of the Great Commission in a way that I would want to emulate my own life? Yeah. So long as he follows Jesus, I'm willing to also follow. We use this word discipleship in the church. It's a Christian-based word out of the Bible. Jesus had disciples. But discipleship really means learning. To be a disciple means to be a learner. And what's the best way to learn? By following somebody that you respect, that can teach you and model to you and give you opportunities and help correct you, right? A great example of what discipleship is is spiritual parenting. Those of you who have children, when you had your children, when they were born, they were birthed, right? You gave birth and then you sent them out on the street and you said, hey, it was so great to have you born. Good luck. Have a great life. That's what you did, right? No, you brought him into your home. It's your child. You raised the child. You modeled the child. You fed the child. You, you, you taught the child. You showed them which way to go. You taught them how to act and believe and think, right? Another great example of what discipleship is is like an apprenticeship. If you want to learn a certain trade, many of you have done this. What do you do? You find somebody who knows how to do that trade and you say, hey, can I spend some time with you? Teach me. Show me how to use these tools. Show me what to do. Give me opportunities and when I make a mistake, correct me and show me what I did wrong. And then eventually you learn the trade and then you too can have an apprentice yourself. This is simple. It's all around us. Why would it not be so in our Christian walk? In our discipleship language, we say it like this, be one, make one. Be one, make one. Be a disciple and make a disciple. Be a spiritual child and make a spiritual child. If you are a Christian person and you have been walking in this Christian walk for a while, even like me, I went to the seminary, I learned a lot about the Bible I know a lot of stuff, and yet I still want to be like a child. I want to have somebody continue to teach me, model to me, and correct me when I make mistakes. It is important to have somebody in our lives to be one, to be a disciple. But once you have been, once you have been raised up, if you are mature in the faith, you also ought to be making one intentionally raising up spiritual children. If you, have spirit, if you have real physical children in your home, if you're raising children, they are your primary calling to raise also as spiritual children. I tell you this today because in the story of Ruth, these characteristics of being one and making one 
are demonstrated and modeled for us today. First of all, Ruth demonstrates how to be one. Now, let me just put this out there. It's not exactly the same as what we're dealing with in our lives with a discipleship relationship that may exist because the context is Ruth wants to get hitched, all right? She wants to get married, so we got to put that into play as well. But I want to show you how she does it and what characteristics she has. How does she begin? What is the first step? She follows. She follows. Her first following is to Naomi. She says, Naomi, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. And this was not easy. Again, Naomi's a widow. Ruth is a widow. It is, it, Naomi is beyond the years of childbearing herself. Therefore, she's beyond the years of marrying. Therefore, it's going to be nearly impossible for Naomi to make it on her own. She's going to lose everything. Except Ruth's following actually also benefits Naomi. Ruth is with Naomi. Ruth gives Naomi her life. And here's what happens. They go back to Bethlehem, and then Ruth goes to a close relative of Naomi's named Boaz. Boaz is a close relative, and he owns some land. Boaz is a potential redeemer for Naomi and her family. At this time in the Old Testament, a redeemer was a legal position. A redeemer is somebody who can legally um, purchase uh, a widow's land. And not just the land, but the people also. So Boaz is one of these options, one of the close relatives. There are some others, but Boaz is one who could potentially take Naomi and Ruth and give them their inheritance. So Ruth goes to the field of Boaz, and while she's there in the field of Boaz, she makes herself available to Boaz. She makes herself available to Boaz. Again, we understand that eventually she's trying to get married, but what are her characteristics in making herself available? There is practical takeaways that we can take out of this as well. How does she make herself available? First of all, she's humble. She's humble. She doesn't boast. She's humble. She simply presents her need, and she just does what she's supposed to do. Ruth is humble, but Ruth is also available. She makes herself available to Boaz. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, being humble and available are huge you have to show up in front of Jesus or with a disciple or with a person that's helping to teach you and model you and, and to say, I'm here, I'm in, I'm committed. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Remember, that's what Ruth said to Naomi, I'll follow you. But I would go even further. Ruth is not only humble and available, Ruth is actually desperate. Her life depends on this. How many of you are desperate for Jesus? A lot of us think that Jesus 
is a nice idea, something good to have around when life hits its bumps, something you can count on. Or maybe you think Jesus is a nice insurance policy that you can fall back on when you die to have eternal life and all that good stuff. But does your life depend on Jesus? I believe when we show up in the presence of Jesus and say, Lord, I am nothing without you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you, Lord. When we show up like that, then we see the fullness of life that only Jesus can offer to us. Because Jesus comes to us in our desperation. This is what redemption is. This is what to being redeemed means. Boaz is Ruth and Naomi's legal redeemer. Jesus is your life redeemer. Jesus comes to you in your desperation. He comes to you when you are helpless and hopeless. Once you were helpless, but Jesus comes to help you. Once you were without hope, but only Jesus can give you hope. Jesus comes to us when we are desperate and he redeems us. That means he buys us back. He owns us through the blood of Jesus Christ alone. And those who have been redeemed are also called to be redeemers of others as well. Let's turn our sights on Boaz here for just a minute because this is exactly what Boaz does for Ruth. Now again, just putting it out there, Boaz desires to marry Ruth, right? He's trying to get married to her, okay? I know some of you who are already married, you don't have to go try to get married to other people. That's not what the practical application is here. But I want you to see what Boaz does as you think about other people in your life who need redemption. What does Boaz do? What does he do? First of all, Boaz notices Ruth. Ruth is just a servant girl out there collecting scraps in his field. Boaz notices her. He notices her desperation. He notices her humility. And he doesn't take advantage of her. He's actually kind to her. He's generous to her. He goes out of his way for her. He does not have to offer her protection, but he does. He does not have to offer her additional food and money, yet he does. Over and over again, Boaz gives himself to Ruth. He does everything he can for her. But I want to focus a minute just on that very first thing he does. He noticed her. He noticed Ruth. I wonder, do you notice the people that are around you? Do you notice the things that people are wondering and worrying about? Do you pay attention to the words that people are speaking and the things that are 
giving them stress? Do you notice people around you? I think so many of us are so self-consumed that we just don't even take time to notice. So I simply ask you today to slow down, pay attention to the people that are around you. Notice them. Notice those who are helpless. Notice those who are hopeless and offer to them what has been given to you, redemption through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus notices you. Jesus sees you. Jesus knows your desperation before you are even willing to admit it. Jesus sees you. Even when it seems like no one in the world sees you, Jesus sees you. When it feels like nobody notices the things that you're wrestling with, Jesus notices you. He sees you. And more than that, He comes to your aid. He comes to you. Jesus is all in when it comes to you. Jesus put it all on the table. He gambled it all. He wagered it all. He bet it all. He invested it all for you. And He won you back. You are His. And that is a good place to be. Be one. Make one. Be like Ruth. Be humble. Be available. Say to Jesus, Jesus, I need you. And look for someone in your life to teach you, to model to you what it looks like to walk like Jesus. And follow that person. So long as they are following Jesus and leading Jesus, go ahead and follow them. If they start leading you somewhere else, walk away. (laughs) And if you don't know where to look, if you don't know who to ask, would you reach out to me? I've been working with a group of people from our church, about 20 people for the last year. They've been learning, growing, uh, being modeled to how to be disciple makers, and many of them are already doing that. With many of you in this church, I, I know you. So if you want to be paired up with somebody or a small group of people where your intention is to learn how to uh, believe like Jesus and behave like Jesus, let me know and I'll get you paired up with somebody. And those of you who are mature in the faith, as you're growing in the faith, notice people around you. Pay attention to the people around you and intentionally invest in them so so that their lives can emulate your life as you follow Jesus. Again, at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's not about what you do. It's not about people following after you. It's about mutually following after Jesus. It's about mutually following after Jesus in order to receive what only He can give to us, redemption by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, after saying all of that, I will just tell you this. If all of that sounds overly complicated, if you don't If you didn't pick up on anything that I said today, this is my challenge to you. Just be slightly more active in your Christian walk than I am on my Instagram page. How about that? Let's start there, all right? Be one, make one. Follow Jesus and invite people to follow after you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.